This is the Red on Red podcast on redfm.ie. This week on the podcast, we're talking with Paul Savage from O Emperor ahead of the Cork Psychedelic Outfit's final brace of gigs next month.
Genre fluid alt pop with Happy Alone and Colors and the Bonk with Ancestor. This is Red on Red, Cork's new music podcast dropping every Wednesday via redfm.ie as well as iTunes, Google Podcasts and other podcasting platforms. My name is Mike McGrath-Brien and for the next hour or so we're going to be joined over the blower by Paul Savage, frontman for Cork-based psych rock specialists O Emperor. Paul, how's it going, bye? Hello, how are you doing? Thanks for having me. Thanks a million for coming along. The band's final shows and third album, Jason, have both been announced for November. It sounds like a really heavy decision to make. What's brought that on? I guess it's... Uh, uh, we, we just kind of... Ultimately, we felt that it was... I guess more from a practical point of view, it was just logistics, really. We, we kind of live in different parts of the country, so it's kind of harder for us to get together. To, uh, to do the kind of traditional um, record album, release album and do the tour and stuff. So um, so in, I guess it, that's really the basics of it. Um, but we also felt that it was a kind of, um, this album was somewhat of a kind of a different style um, and it's kind of a nice way to just um, finish off a kind of a, some, like uh, a body of work from from the first to this this being our third album um kind of just close off a kind of a period in in i guess more so the group of people um and us playing together we kind of like to just i think this is we feel this is a, a quintessential kind of album that we've made that kind of sounds like us all together playing which um captured a nice moment so it was actually kind of nice just to, to end on um, what we feel is the strongest thing we'll talk a little bit later on about the creative process behind the record as well as your thoughts heading into the final shows but it's nice that you mentioned that it's kind of rounding off time for a certain group of people and a certain sound with that in mind you know, it's been mentioned a little bit that this is kind of the end of Wemperer after 15 or so years of playing together in different configurations and under different names. Maybe talk to us a little bit about how the constituent parts of O Emperor came together in the first place out in Waterford. We all went to school together, so that was really uh, the, the bones of it. We we met uh, in secondary school, started um, playing. Uh, firstly, I started playing with, with Brendan the drummer and Richie the bass player um, I played with them first and then, then Phil joined and then Alan joined um, on keys and, and guitar uh, so yeah kind of since then that that's kind of why it's been so long because um, yeah we started in secondary school we all ended up going to Cork together um, and playing throughout our kind of college years and then um, kind of yeah then O Emperor kind of fully formed after we kind of finished up in college um so yeah i guess for the last eight or so years it's been officially O emperor but before that it was it was called the various different things so um i mean yeah getting back to what i said earlier it kind of i think to us it kind of probably feels like there'll there'll be something that will grow out of out of this so it's 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 definitely just closing off uh, a chapter more mm. so than a real kind of like breaking up and never doing anything again um, we don't know what it'll be but there'll definitely be other things that will form out of this Speaking of playing under the various different names 
Um, I seem to recall you playing under a different name in 2008, I want to say. Or maybe it was your first gig as a Wimperer, formerly known as. Was it Saviors of Space or something? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, we're, we're, we're kind of not too good at picking names, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we were called uh, Saviors of Space. And then before that, we, we used to be called Troubadour. I think but we uh, we had Hoplers Animals, which has lived on in, in other kind of seedier parts of Cork. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we there's there's a few there's a few things different kind of guises that we we've, we've gone under. Just mentioning talking about coming to Cork to go to college and playing throughout your college years, kind of kind of outline for us a little bit how you got on when first gigging in the city in the first place coming to go to college and then meeting people, talking to different people and just generally getting along. What was that whole process like for yourselves? I guess, yeah, going to college was, was definitely um, was definitely a good catalyst for us. Like, I think it's naturally any band will will take off when, when you go to college because you meet people from different counties, different parts of, of Ireland and, and uh, just different... People in interest in different things, but then also you come together through a mutual interest of of playing in a band or, or music. So um, it's always a good melting pot to start off like that. Um, myself, um, myself, Brendan and Richie and Alan, we all went to Stefan Nafa to do the music uh, music and sound production course. Um, so I mean that's been going for the last twenty. 20 odd years yeah. I think and it's actually it's been kind of a, a, a real kind of heart of Cork City for, for musicians and for bands I mean and you've been told this one of its major successes as well like your, your your name is always in the promotional literature for the course now alongside like Mick Flannery Sinead Lohan <laughs> etc yeah well, well yeah well I mean we're, we're quite chuffed with that and, and uh, we, we, we definitely owe a lot to, uh, to Chris and Ursula and Johnny and all those that were that um, are still teaching in the course, um, and it's it's just it's a it's a great kind of thing to be able to do that when when you especially you know when you're in your early twenties out of secondary school coming from like doing maths and Irish and then suddenly you can go in and actually learn how to record um, in a studio. I mean it's that's like a dream come true for for someone like that. Um, so that really, that really kind of spurred everything on to kind of learn how to record and learn how to play, um, play together. Um, and yeah, I guess so. After that, we when we finished, we, we knowing that stuff, we we went on. And uh, Brendan, the drummer, was always particularly interested in the engineering side. So we were lucky in that sense that that would, there was someone there to kind of take the reins on that um, and since then I mean he's gone on to, to you know to be a full time engineer and recording other bands around Cork but um, yeah I guess it was just doing it ourselves and meeting people through the college we you know we do the the college showcase gigs in Cypress Avenue or or, or Krushkin Lawn or a place like this and mm. then you get to know the promoters and you get to know the people around town it's I mean you know yourself it's it's a it's it's always a very tight-knit community so once you start playing you, you you know people and they get to know you quite quickly um so yeah it's kind of just developed from there speaking of recording um kind of late 2009 early 2010 you put out two EPs in very quick succession Persephone comes out in January of 2010 and Reverie comes out in April of the same year but kind of in between 
a lot of hype kind of manages to build and you eventually find yourselves signing a deal with Universal Records. Maybe kind of take us a little bit into the mindset you had going into it and how it all happened. I, I guess, yeah, we, when we were, uh, we after college, we recorded our first album, Hither Tither. We did most of it ourselves and um, having it kind of done, I I kind of just started mailing out different people and, and um we were playing a bit, so I, I think a, a new band on the scene always has the advantage of of kind of being new and being fresh. So people kind of, you know, after first single, if it goes well, people kind of tend to take interest for a while anyway. Mm. So um, I think you know, if you capitalise on that, things can can move quite quickly in the first you know year or so. Um, so yeah, when we were playing, we we had I think we had Poe and a few other songs recorded. Um, we put them out as singles, and um, we were playing. You know, we went and did the Hard Working Class Heroes Festival, which I guess a lot of a lot of bands starting out in Ireland will will kind of start there as the kind of Irish showcase to kind of get their get their stuff in front of of uh, industry folk. So yeah, we we played that. Um, the guys from Universal happened to see us at the show and they liked the stuff um, we'd already kind of got a manager at that point so that kind of spurred on or, or sped up the process having someone like that that could actually kind of nudge the record company in the right direction because um, I guess a record company may like your stuff but that's that seems to be kind of actually only about 10% of the battle it's really they kind of have to be really further coaxed and kind of pushed into into signing something because um, there's always so many options for them and they're always you know pen pushers at the end of the day so uh, that that helped that we had someone someone there to push it um, and yeah I guess after that we we went back and we recorded more stuff for the album and and it was came came out a year later. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit further about Hither Thither, the band's debut album, as well as life on a major label. But first, Paul, you've helped pick a playlist for us this evening uh, with some of the best and brightest from Cork Music at present. Earlier on, we heard from Happy Alone and O Emperor side project The Bonk. But coming up, we have Elaine Malone and Mindless. Yeah, Elaine is uh, it's fantastic. Uh, she, I love her uh, EP that she's just brought out. Um, a month or so ago she played with um, just this January just gone down in Lep um, we, we did a show um, with Art Writers as well um, and that was that was really cool um, I think we'll be hearing some of Art Writers later on as well so mm-hmm. um, yeah it's a great sound and I'm looking forward to hearing more of it we also have international world travelled supergroup Senior Infants with First Journey yeah, well, uh, yeah, we're, we're we're good mates with with the boys, um, and yeah, I, I I love their stuff. I'll, I'll always I always love watching, trying to catch their gigs whenever I can. Um, just yeah, really cool. Um, love anything with synths and drum machines is kraut rocky is is always good. We'll get straight into it. So this is Elaine Malone with Mindless here on Red on Red.
Senior Infants with First Journey here on Red on Red, still joined over the phone by Paul Savage from O Emperor, ahead of the band's final dates coming up next month. Before we went to music, we were talking about the band's first two EPs and joining Universal Records. You mentioned that before you approached any labels or anything, you kind of had hither thither pretty much down for the count with the exception of some extra material that you said you recorded thereafter uh, maybe take us a little bit through the creative process of putting together the band's first LP um, I guess a lot of it um, primarily was, was done ourselves in, in, a, in a house that we were renting at the time so it was it was very much a kind of um, an experimentation for us to, and kind of haphazardly put together um, you know we 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 didn't really know much about recording. We we know a, we knew a bit, but um, it was certainly wasn't kind of we'd never done it before. So um, I think there was something nice that came through there of of kind of 
um, taking your first steps into that kind of creative world, um, being naive about stuff, but actually the naivety actually uh, creates um, something nice. Um, I think sometimes you can you can get a bit too polished, I and mean, with experience you start to kind of doubt yourself or think about things too much. So um, I think definitely that was what we primarily took from the first record was was um, you know being confident in doing it yourself. Um, and when we when we actually went to record to record more stuff for the album in a bigger studio with an engineer and. Um, they were they were good sessions, and I mean I think uh, some of the songs were were needed to be on the album, um, like stuff like Sedalia mm. was was something that came in in the second round of recording. Um, but looking back on it, I think we would still have preferred to have put most of what we had done ourselves out as the first record, and I think that kind of spurred us on to be more confident about doing it ourselves for Vitreous. Um, and not kind of, you know, falling into the the usual kind of thing that a bigger studio means a better sound. Um, I think more and more these days that's actually kind of contrary to what people think. Um, there's great records that are produced in someone's bedroom on a, on on nothing more than a laptop. So. Um, Kind of compare and contrast then that DIY ethic that the band has always maintained with life under a major label, kind of the day-to-day process of submitting ideas, talking to people inside, and the general process of creative with the label. Kind of bring us to the day-by-days of dealing with a major label for a first-time signing. I guess in terms of the, 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 the creative process, like I mean, it was very much all up to us. Like Whatever we wanted to put on the album was, was us. I mean, there wasn't anyone popping into the studio or keeping an eye on us um, like what people may think um, it was very much up to us uh, we, we had complete freedom to do it uh, I guess there was maybe some kind of uh, nudging in kind of the direction of oh you should think about having a single on this or you should think about you know maybe editing this for radio and um, they're just little things that that come in a person who's who's from a label will naturally have to do that that's that's their job is to sell records so um you know that was some things that i guess maybe at the time being kind of young and and kind of (laughs) strong-minded that we may have kind of um kind of seen that as a slight annoyance but i mean that's sometimes it's the nature of the beast but no I, I don't think there was no major like no major heartache in that sense they 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 let us do what we wanted to do and 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 as i say like i mean they put out don't mind me and don quixote singles which were probably both about four and a half minutes and didn't really have a chorus so you know in in uh in hindsight they were probably actually quite relaxed about what we gave them um, as opposed to some labels. And how did you find the response to the record once it was released? Because, I mean, it did get a massive push once it was out there. Yeah, I mean, that that's something that I guess you can't really um, underestimate. It's more so, I guess, the um, the accolade maybe of, of just having it on a label makes it kind of seem more... 
professional or more people kind of take notice of it for either for want of kind of judging it kind of going should it be on a label or actually just yeah, it, it piques their interest kind of hearing about that this band is signed to a to a, a major label so like all, all that kind of stuff plays into people just coming to check it out um, which was a massive help I mean I think it's it kind of it still stood to us ever since that people have probably first discovered the band through that album and through that that period of time when when it was being pushed and have kind of stuck with us ever since so yeah I mean it was it was a massive it was a massive push to just have that and it certainly got us more things like you know uh, radio play and, and and TV appearances it, it got us that because of the name you know so um, there that's just the industry game I guess for a second album Vitreous released a couple of years later you take the decision to go back independent kind of what was the process of getting free of a major label and you know not not necessarily regaining the freedoms necessarily but kind of taking the DIY attitude back on task um, well basically uh, I mean we, we just we we parted ways with our management and then through that I guess the management uh, took the label with them <laughs> uh, but I mean they, they were kind of they were more kind of closely tied so um, we we had we had differences and I, I, yeah I mean I, I don't think there was no major bust up but it just kind of it just we we weren't really feeling it <laughs> yeah um, so no we, we 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 decided that like we we had tried to go and do some some more sessions for what would have been the second album but um, I guess yeah we were kind of pretty exhausted at the time after uh, playing a lot of shows touring and and all the kind of ins and outs of of doing the industry kind of game um, we were yeah pretty exhausted at that point and kind of trying to go back in and record more stuff which wasn't really to us it wasn't sounding great we didn't like it and you know it was uh, I guess from the five of us being quite closely knit and growing up together and being a very kind of yeah a very tightly knit group sometimes it was hard for us to have a, a team of people around us kind of not so much like you know dictating what we do but also just even psychologically there's just more people in the room all kind of just there <laughs> you know and maybe maybe even getting in the way in a way um, so for us it was we, we felt better just it being ourselves just going away and recording something ourselves again like we did um, the first time um, so yeah that, I guess that kind of spawns the kind of the decision to just to part ways with the management just and then to just yeah part ways with the label as well and kind of go back to actually just recording ourselves and kind of yeah doing what we felt we would like to do How did that then kind of inform your creative process for Vitreous which got a release in 2012? It, it definitely helped to just kind of shut out all the the industry stuff that we had to do um, like thinking about recording something that sounds good for radio 
or something that should be pared down to three minutes. Um, forgetting all that kind of stuff. And, you know, a lot of when you're doing the industry stuff, you probably you spend more time on the phone talking to people or talking about stuff than actually playing the music. Um, so that was that was a, again kind of going back to what I said earlier. It was that was a big a big annoyance of it is just like stop talking about stuff <laughs> and just just go play music. Uh, that was really the kind of thing that that we wanted to do. We we built our own little studio um, in Cork, just up there by York Street, and uh, just hung out there for a year and just just went uh, day to day. Just came in, record stuff. Um, and yeah, it was very much a different process because, you know, the recording on their label, they would book you in for a month or a few weeks to get it all done in those weeks. But this time it was like, okay, we have whenever and whatever to do. So um, I think it, it was a way more relaxed process. With the industry pressure off and a studio at your disposal to kind of do things at your own pace, did you notice any difference in how Vitreous was received in comparison to Hither Thither and kind of what was the process like of touring and so on and so forth with the kind of the, the bandage off, so to speak? Yeah, I get we we were very we were very pleased with the with the reception Vitreous got and I guess naturally enough you kinda of want to to uh prove yourself more so maybe after the stuff that it was hit or tither and, and kind of the aftermath of all that stuff, um, we definitely wanted to go back with with an even better better record to kind of prove to us and to everyone else that we were better off <laughs> doing it on our own. Um, so we were very pleased with, with it, it, it being received um, well. Um, and yeah, I guess we, 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 we did a lot of touring in, in Germany. Um, we hooked up with a label, KNF Records, in Germany, who we had kind of got to, gotten to know, um, and it it was yeah, it felt like a kind of a nicer process that it was kind of just our involvement. We were kind of just managing ourselves and, and talking to people that were very much like us, um, and just putting out stuff for the love of putting out records. Um, and we did yeah, we did some really good tours of Germany and met some really good people and played some lovely venues so um, it was I guess uh, yeah it kind of it was maybe somewhat of a smaller affair but it felt better to us that it was just a kind of a nicer more human side of of touring and playing as opposed to the more kind of the I guess the the shallower side of, of the industry that kind of vibe continued in 2015 with the release of the Lizard EP, which was released digitally by yourselves under the name Big Skin Records and then also got a physical release via Dublin label Trout. I remember Trout from a couple of years ago. They were handling stuff for yourselves, for spies, and it just seemed like a really good time for that label and the stall that they were operating out of George's Street Arcade, I think, as yeah. well as a little bit of the rage. What are your memories of working with the label on the physical release for the EP? Well, it's good. Yeah, I mean, we're we're still good mates with Connor. Um, he's he's kind of busy now. He's he does managing uh, Saint Sister, who are doing really well at the moment. Um, so yeah, we're we're still good mates with them, and, and we 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 did gigs with with Saint Sister as well um, a few years back. Actually, around the release of Lizard, um, 
we did a we did a really nice show in London together um, with us and Paddy Hanna, I believe. Um, so that was that was a really good night actually. That was kind of organised by Connor and Trout Records. Um, so yeah, it, it was that was a really nice time. Uh, just again, just working with with people that just really like putting out records um, and a more independent kind of affair. And I think that's always something we've we've come to love doing. Just putting stuff out on a smaller basis um, and you know not not worrying about casting a wide net. Actually, preferring to to um, put music out that reaches just the people that you want to reach really like like-minded people and, and even even just your friends or, or, or um, contemporaries around the, the scene um, that's really kind of what we've we've always cherished more when we come back we'll talk about the recording and release of the band's final album but first we're going to go back to some more tunes that you've chosen for us uh, the altered hours with grey on blue yeah I mean the altered hours have have been our our kind of partners in crime for a number of years. We've we've shared a studio with them for um, a, long, a long time now. Uh, so yeah, I mean they're they're always good mates, and we've we've always been fond of them. We've played numerous shows, and um, yeah, they're just. I mean, even apart from that, I'm I'm just a genuine fan of the band. I love hearing their records. Um, so yeah. That was a natural choice when you asked, you know, for Cork music, it has to be one of those. One of those bands that comes to mind immediately. Speaking of Corkonians that come to mind when you think about new directions in music, you've got Dan Walsh and Fixity with Hungry Clouds. Yeah, well, I mean, he, he falls into the same bracket as well. Um, uh, a fellow that we, we've played with for a number of years um, in, in different stuff. Uh, and yeah, Fixity, I, I always love hearing what he has to put out. You does some brilliant live albums um, and I mean he's yeah he's coming from from that kind of jazz side of things which which is brilliant to just play music and put it out which is a brilliant ethos and I think more people should do that but yeah I always love hearing that stuff Speaking of the jazz Fixity will be playing a full band show this Sunday at the Poor Relation as part of that venue's jazz weekend on Twitter. We'll get straight into it. So, this is the Altered Hours with Grey on Blue here on Red on Red. Oh, 
Dan Walsh and Fixity with Hungry Clouds here on Red on Red. Still joined over the phone by Paul Savage, frontman of O Emperor, ahead of the band's final gigs throughout November. And kind of tying into those final gigs also will be the release of the band's final LP, Jason, which will be a self-release on digital and vinyl formats. Kind of important to the whole press coverage surrounding the album is its creative process, specifically that of jamming. And I know that jamming and improv is very important to the members of the band as well as the band as a whole. Maybe take us through the process of how Jason was created, kind of how it differed from before and what we can expect to hear. Well, this one, we, yeah, we, we didn't have any songs written or anything prepared, um, which would have been different to how we approached Vitreous or Hither Tither. Um, those records we would have met up and had kind of stuff individually, maybe r- written the bones of stuff and then bring it to the band and we'd practice it and finally build up to recording. Um, but with the sections that ultimately became Jason, we we just we just met up um, and just set up all the mics and just started jamming. Um, with with no kind of preconceived notions of so what it was so um, it was very much something that just that we tried to capture over a few nights recording um, and yeah I think after the first evening or so I think we knew that there was something that we could we could capture um, and yeah we ended up doing maybe about four or five evenings of just meeting up and recording in, in the room um, all live um, and yeah then afterwards we kind of took the stuff away we had like a few hours of, of just jams um, we went through and picked out I guess kind of just the grooves or the ideas that we liked um, and spent a while um, editing them together to kind of make some kind of a something of a structure out of them afterwards or or maybe for want of another word or description uh, just to take out all the shit parts and try to just stick the good parts together um, so that was the kind of the second process involved um, editing it all down um, into stuff that made sense Cause that's quite um, difficult to do with improv bits and pieces because you know everybody will like a certain idea that they came out with, but there's also the the getting oh, rid yeah, of gibberish definitely. lyrics and you know getting rid of all all just all the chaff essentially. What was the group process like of sitting down and kind of panning for gold amid all that? Was there any kind of uh, Sophie's choice decisions? It was, it was quite it was quite nice. I mean, we were just all sitting around, hanging out and listening to the stuff, and just kind of. I I, I think we we were kind of thankfully kind of on the same wavelength in terms of what we would like and what, you know, when we heard something, we, most of us would kind of gravitate the same way as to like, you know, pinpointing stuff that was good. Um, so yeah, that was, there wasn't too much kind of, uh, push and pull with that kind of stuff. Um, like, yeah, we, we, we seem to kind of have have the same kind of mentality when it came to the stuff that we were listening back to. Um, and then afterwards, we kind of, myself and Phil, um, kind of at the same time as editing the stuff, we would kind of just plug in a microphone and just start singing over the jams. So a lot of the vocals as well are, are kind of um, 
they are they're overdubbed, but they're somewhat kind of performed li- like live, listening back to the track. Um, so there's there's very much just that kind of ad hoc feel to the thing, just a stream of consciousness kind of thing. N- nothing premeditated about the record. And what have those compositions then been like to try and nail down in terms of finished pieces when you're practicing them for live performances next month? Uh, yeah, it was it was a bit bizarre actually going back and having to listen to the songs um, and learn them. It was kind of like listening to trying to learn another band's stuff because we like it. Yeah, it it, it sounds kind of cliche, but we actually don't really remember very much of of what we were playing because it was very much just just made up on the spot. So you're trying to actually figure out what is going on um so yeah it was it was a bit bizarre trying to actually put it make sense of it afterwards kind of the reverse way of how it normally would happen as we discussed earlier in the show the decision was made to kind of draw a line under o emperor as we know it with the release and touring of this record you kind of talked a little bit about the decision to kind of call it a day as o emperor kind of what were the thoughts and feelings in the band was it kind of obviously a natural end toward things or the beginning of something new um it was yeah it kind of felt like a natural thing um mostly was kind of born out of the fact that um it it's for the last kind of few years it, it's been harder and harder to kind of to get together as 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 of all five of us together to do like I said earlier, the kind of traditional um, record and release and tour, that kind of cycle. Um, it's It's been kind of harder and harder because we're living in different parts. Um, so that that kind of, we were lucky in the sense that we were able to, to kind of capture this over a few evenings. Um, and that's kind of how a lot of it was conceived as well. We didn't have time to, <laughs> to write or practice. So it was really just, just, yet a finite amount of time to, to get something done and that's how it happened um, so that was that, that's been kind of taken away in, in the back of our minds for the last year or two as to you know knowing that this record was going to be really strong but thinking maybe we won't be able to to kind of um, do the touring that we we used to do um, so it kind of felt that it was it was actually kind of nice and a nice feeling to kind of say that this is actually this is going to be a really good record and we're going to bow out gracefully on on this record and um and kind of yeah be be kind of quite pleased with the progression um from the first to to this album um it it's it's obviously i think when people hear it as well it's going to be quite different to the last two records so um, it kind of to me it kind of spells the start of of something else Um, so whether that be with 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 the guys in the band with something else or with other stuff it yeah it seems to be a nice way to close it off and to start something else who or what is Jason Uh, (laughs) um, that's a kind of a weird one I, I don't quite know myself 
Um, Jason is, it, it kind of, it, it comes from a, a very long and, and contrived kind of in-joke that to anyone else is not really funny. Um, so I don't even know there's a warrant explaining it because it, it's just going to seem too, too ridiculous. But Jason is Jason. That's <laughs> it is how it is. Yeah. The release of Jason is accompanied by your final dates in Dublin, Cork and Waterford. Tickets are on sale now for Dublin and Waterford and tickets are going on sale soon. On the 3rd, you're playing Grand Social in Dublin. On the 16th of November, you're going to be playing Dally on Kerry's Lane in Cork. And then you're going to be closing out your run as a Emperor with a Waterford show at Project. What are your yeah. thoughts heading into your final round of dates? Well, yeah, we're we're really looking forward to them. Um, even even the fact that we haven't played in quite some time, we're we're really looking forward to them. But I guess, uh, it, yeah, it has uh, it has a special poignancy now that we've we've uh, declared these our last ones. Um, I think it's it's probably a good PR stunt that it, it might be better attended than normal, <laughs> seeing as it's our last ones. So um, we're, we're we're looking forward to them. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, we're really looking forward to playing the new stuff. We've we had a few goes at it over the summer, playing a few festivals. So um, I think it's it's shaping up really nice. The new set and, and the new songs are kind of fitting into some of the older stuff. Um, so yeah, it's 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 going to be really good, and we're we're really excited for it. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about the immediate future. But first, we're going to go back to some more tunes. Arthritis has been a recurring guest of yours on tour, and you've got disappear. Yeah, I mean we're 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 big fans um, of arthritis, and we we again with going back to Emma, um, we we did a show with them, and it was um, Elaine as well that we, we played down in Lep just uh, in in January. That was kind of one of our or yeah January February. That was one of our first shows back, so um, that was for the for their, their one-year anniversary. <laughs> um, or one-year birthday, sorry. Um, so, yeah, that was... We really, really enjoyed watching Arthritis. And, um, yeah, it was... He, he's such a brilliant performer. I think if anyone has... Everyone should really see him live to get the full the full effect. Because it's... Yeah, it's brilliant. He's such a brilliant dude as well. Yeah. <laughs> There's so many ideas and, you know, just even in a live setting where he's able to just kind of come off with just the most off-the-wall ideas out of nowhere. Yeah, I, I think it's it, it's it's a, it's a rare enough thing to actually see a real performance again. Um, you know, I, I know we're, we're guilty of it ourselves. We're a bit kind of po-faced and a bit shoegazy when it comes to playing a show. But to actually see someone really perform and actually like break out a character and, and into other weird characters is actually it's fantastic to see it and I think um, it's it's a it's a it's a rare art that people don't not many people do or, or get right um, so yeah when you see it it's 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 fantastic and you have L with romance taken from her EP of the same name from two years ago yeah I'm a, I'm a big fan of L stuff um, it's 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 brilliant to hear. Well, I know she's kind of based in Berlin now, um, but it, it's great to hear kind of, yeah, new electronic, different contemporary music coming out of Cork and Ireland. 
Um, but yeah, just just really, really good stuff. Um, I love their boiler set um, set or boiler room set. Sorry. Um, and so yeah, it, it's fantastic to see that kind of stuff coming locally. We get straight into it. So this is arthritis with disappear here on Red on Red. So this one is is based a lot on um, how I feel right now and what I would like to do. It's called Disappear.
with romance here on Red on Red. Just before we wrap up this episode of Red on Red, Paul, as we mentioned earlier, Final O Emperor album goes on sale next month alongside Final O Emperor dates. When and where will we be able to get Jason on vinyl or digital? Uh, well, at the moment, you can order it from our bank camp, um, which all the money goes directly to us. <laughs> uh, Important to note. Oh, yeah, definitely, yeah. <laughs> Try to cut out as many middlemen as possible. But, uh, no, uh, we can. you can also get us... Um, there will be a few record shops that you can get it in, um, in Cork and Dublin at the moment. Uh, yet, to, yet to be kind of officially named but yeah you can you you'll be able to get it in one or two stores um and we'll be selling it at the gigs as well primarily um but yeah from our bank camp um you can you can get it as well straight to your doorstep and you'll be touring throughout next month to close off o emperor as a going concern people listening in dublin can find you on the 3rd of november at the grand social in dublin tickets are on sale now tickets will be going on sale shortly Two weeks after that for your final Cork date in Dali on Kerry's Lane on the 16th. What's it like to be going back and closing out your time in O Emperor in the former PAV? Uh, yeah, that's that's quite nice actually. Um, I mean, we've we've played there since the start, even before being called O Emperor. We played in the PAV. Um, the, the people that have, have run, have ran it, then and now have always been very supportive of us um, and it's it's a fantastic venue and we've had some brilliant nights in there um, and it's yeah it's actually quite nice that that um, that Stephen and Hope have, have taken the reins on it um, just just last year and, and it, it became available for us to to play our show because I know it was it was closed for quite some time but um so yeah, it's, it's very nice that that's, that's kind of worked out that we can play our last one there. And the band goes back to From Whence It Came on the 23rd of November. Tickets on sale now for your final show in Waterford for people listening to this podcast there at Project. What are your thoughts heading into that particular show? Uh, well, that yeah, that'll certainly be a, a very, very special one. Um, we actually haven't played in Waterford in quite some time either. Mick O'Keefe, who, who's, who's running... Uh, shorts and and project um, upstairs. Like he's he's been there since the very start, since we were uh, kids playing. Um, and he gave us our first gig. So um, yeah, again, it's it's very nice um, and special how that's worked out that we'll be able to to play again a show with him promoting it. So um, yeah, it's it's all it's all seeming to be tied very nicely together. And what next in the immediate future for the component parts of O Emperor, do you know? Uh, well, I know Phil is, he'll be busy playing with, with, uh, with the bonk, um, his, his new project that he's been, been doing for the last, um, two years. So he's, he's, he should, he tells me he's back recording again and he'll probably be out next year doing some more stuff. Um, I've got some stuff waiting on a hard drive there to be finished so um i have to try and pull up pull up the socks and kind of get that ready to go um maybe at, at some point next year so that's yeah that's a, kind of a loose plan at the moment that seems like a really nice way to end emperor but also kind of seg on to that next stage that you were talking about 
That's all from this week's episode of Red on Red, Cork's new music podcast from redfm.ie. Thank you very much to Paul from O Emperor for joining us this episode. Yeah, thanks very much for having me. Pleasure. And thank you for listening. If you like what you're hearing, please take the time to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes and now Google Podcasts as well as other podcasting platforms. Please share this on your social media and make sure to check out the artists featured online or at an upcoming gig. And if you'd like more Irish tunes, please be sure to listen in to Green on Red on Sunday nights with Alan O'Donovan for the best of all that is Irish on Cork's Red FM 104 to 106. Paul, you're leaving us with a track from the inimitable Laurie Shaw from one of his many, many, many albums. You got <laughs> That's Life. Yeah, um, Laurie's going to be uh, joining us. He's going to be playing the Cork and Waterford show. Ah, cool. So we're, we're, we're really looking forward to that. Um, Will Again, have I saw him uh, in the roundy. Um, I think it could have been one of Emma's shows. Uh, and yeah, he's fantastic. Brilliant. Um, I'm really looking forward to hearing more stuff. And I think people will will definitely hear more of him in the future if he releases more of his hundreds of albums, which is fantastic to see. Um, I think the more the merrier. Where do you think he gets that proficiency from? I, I don't know, but yeah, I'd like a bit of it, all right. That kind of productivity that can only be kind of got at that certain kind of time when you're really going for it wholesale. But this is Laurie Shaw with That's Life. This has been Red on Red, and we'll talk to you next week. Oh, you.
years left to go Baby, I know you'll be there Fighting for a humanist funeral Yes, hello. Yeah, you got that kind of multi-channel. Ooh. Ooh. Happy Halloween. Perfect. <laughs> 